I am unashamed. What about you? Before we um, started rolling, Jace, you were you were giving us stock stuff that you've been working on. How does yep. this uh, How does this Afghanistan debacle did that, did that affect the market and all that stuff? Yes, all went down. I mean, it's just the uncertainty, right? Uncertainty, worldly chaos. It, it but these are all short term things that happen, right? I mean, the stock- which is kind of is an interesting thing about just chaos in general, you know, and uh, it's just it, which is interesting because you see there's always associated usually some kind of something of of the evil side or bad side produces chaos. Well, I was just thinking that whole situation, which would be awful if you were there for whatever reason you would be in Afghanistan. But I guess there's different reasons why well, Americans are there. Well, the lesson of that. I don't think it was what was happening. It was how they went about it. Right. You, you would think somebody would have got in a room <laughs> and said, wait a because it was embarrassing. Well, it's a really but interesting... We, we, we si- didn't have any uh, enough sense. In my opinion, if I'm going to do something on a scale as large as spending 18 years in a country that they were attacked rightfully so. Yep. Because, you know, what's the old guy they finally killed in Osama his bin Laden. Osama. But if I were in in the works and I was calling the shots, I would always have me an exit strategy. <laughs> yeah. In case when we, we get out of here. When we get out of here, we better make plans and it's gonna take a while to move all this equipment that we haul over here. Mm-hmm. So or if you don't you're going to arm your enemy, you know, leave them Black Hawk helicopters, M-16s, ammo. Wait wait a minute here. Hold it. You didn't have a strategy that before you left that you would at least destroy that if you couldn't haul it out of there. Yeah. I would have had a strategy that, that covered that You know, it's from really, the get-go. It was really interesting, Dad, because uh, Trump spoke this past weekend, and I, and I caught some of it. And you forget, I forget what it was like to watch Trump and listen to him. He's just out. He just tells you straightforward what what he would do. And it was so clear. Now I've been watching the Biden administration for, you know, how long they've been in. And it's always murky and never clear. You're never sure what they're talking about. But look, Trump was like, he just laid it out. Here's what you do. Here's what I would have done. Everybody said, what would you have done if you'd have been president? He said, the first thing you do is you get the equipment out of there because you can't leave that over there. You get the people out. All the Americans, you get them out. The last thing you do is take the military out. And then he said, you go in and bomb everything we built there. Yeah. So they can't use it. He was like, and then you're like, adios. And it was so clear because I just thought, that sounded like a pretty good plan. <laughs> but well, you, you don't pull the military out first. Then how I, are you going to get I've in? I've seen a, a, from energy to the stock market to wars. I'm sorry, but uh, when they ran Donald Trump out of the out of the White House, their replacement, and what I've seen since then, as far as our energy, we were energy independent. Yes, bam. I mean, we were we were paying half for gas when you pull up to a pump under Trump than we are now. Some of it almost seems to me, Dan, like they were just to prove a point. Even stuff Trump did that was working. I mean, just you know, even if you didn't like the I guy, mean, did I everything go south when Trump left or what? But I mean, they changed everything—the border stuff, the, all oh. of it. It just it didn't make a lot of sense. But it just seemed been the similarity is you got to have a strategy, whether you're in the stock market or whether you're pulling out of a of, of a country, and and you got to stick to it. I I believe it's helpful if you are transparent about it, where yep. you can have discussions about it and see what's the best way to do about this. But that's why I was saying with the stock market, which is because we get a lot of questions because people know that I right. do my own account. Well, that's what made me think about it when you were talking about it. But they're like, well, give us some recommendations. or, But, you know, if your strategy is to just try to get someone to tell you what stocks to buy without knowing your situation – and what your goal is, it's going to be impossible for me to do that. Could, right. I, I don't know, <laughs> you know what your plan is. Or your, so that that's what I'm saying. It's not as easy as that. I spend a lot of 
research and work. And I have a little community of guys that we do it together and we talk about it. We're transparent about it. We argue and we, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to find great companies and hold on to them for a long time. That doesn't mean the stock price is going to go up. The stock price is unpredictable. You can't time it. You can't predict it. But if you get the best companies that are innovative, that are, you know, tearing down walls with new ideas and, and they're well run, the management knows what they're doing. If you get enough of those companies with your money in it that you're participating for a long period of time, guess what? You're going to make a lot of money. (laughs) But you have to block out all the chaos, all the noise. And because two weeks ago, the sky was falling. Oh, no, market's going to crash. We don't we can't even get some, you know, people out of Afghanistan and all these other issues. That's these daily things that happen in the market. They don't really matter. They're they're buying opportunities if you know the right companies. Right. And when it's way up, you say, you know what? I might ought to trim a little bit of this and put it in something that's a little slow moving or that's getting beat up that's a great company. And so basically you move around money a little bit in those cycles. But if you just hold the line, stick to the plan, and have an open, transparent conversation about different companies you'll you'll look up and you'll be successful but you know speaking of that speaking of stock market jays you think about the people the whole afghanistan situation dad mentioned 20 years that people who were in positions of power that then could make decisions and do things that would make stock go up for a lot of these defense contractors and people that made you know flak jackets and everything you had generals that would retire and then they were making decisions on the ground in the theater, as they say, then they go and get on. They're a lobbyist for a defense contractor because it makes perfect sense. They know the business, blah, blah, blah. But then more decisions are made to keep you there because guess what? you got a bunch of stock options with this new company that you're working. I mean, do, do you think maybe that would have pushed some of those decisions to stay in Afghanistan? It for happens 20 years? every I mean, day. It happens. You see that. The with figure companies. I heard was we, we forked out about $85 billion on that caper. Yeah. $85 billion. And when we go to leave, it's just complete chaos. There's just hundreds of thousands of people surrounding an airport to try to get out of there. I mean, it did not really end well, or is, I guess not end is still going on. Yeah. Now they got this. But I think, I think when you make the way I do, the way I consider all the noise in the stock market, I mean, I, I hear it because it does affect it. So you listen, but you disregard it as far as the long-term plan. And I feel like from a spiritual perspective, you have to do the same thing with all the world that's going on. You're aware of what's happening, but you realize what we're in from a long-term perspective. And I mean long-term as in eternity, yeah. <laughs> being in Jesus. That's the way to bring peace to That's to what the I've world. focused yeah. on through the whole thing. I won't listen to, I don't listen. I haven't listened to any politician make any speech at any time since the election. Well, you hadn't missed much. Uh, I've, I listened to some and it's very incoherent. It's no very incoherent. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. No I'll political pundits. I haven't listened to either of them, right, left, or in the middle. I don't listen to them anymore. It's pretty sad. It's in a tough spot, that's for sure. But I know this, you're right, Jay, it's the, the ultimate goal, the only way you really change people or any situation is from the inside out of a person. Yeah. I mean, until that changes, you know, you're up against ideologies and everything else. Mm-hmm. And people love to abuse other people. I mean, you got a group of people there, but you know, the thing about it, Dave, you and I talked about this recently. That thing goes back. The, everything in the Middle East, the whole thing goes back generations to what we read about in the Bible. I mean, there were there were this idea of this clash first against Israel, and now it's against Christians, and same thing because we're just fruit of that. You know, we've been grafted into Judaism. Yep. So the idea is that clash has been going on. For all the way back to Abraham. I mean, empires rise and they all fall, all of them. And he's still fighting over the the same piece of real estate. Yep. How many have tried to go into Afghanistan and do so? It's been going back to Attila the Hun. But even the reason Jesus is so misinterpreted, I mean, because basically when you look at Hollywood's perspective of Jesus believing people, if you watch a TV show or, or some kind of movie, where Christian people are supposedly represented, they always have them as kooky and crazy and right. or 
so radical, they're dangerous, yeah. you know, because yeah. they trying to make said, everybody comply. With they've it. taken a, some of the fringes because some of the fringes of religion is like that. Yeah. yeah. But they never represent. And I mean, never unless it's a Christian based TV show, like with people producing it. Right. They never a lot of the people that I know that I run with are the most loving, peaceful, serving, hardworking, you know, believers who are just solid, moral-based people. Yep. Those aren't represented in that world. And the reason I don't think it is is the same misunderstanding they had of Jesus. You know, when they predicted the kingdom that would come and destroy all nations and powers, you know, and Daniel spoke of it in chapter 2 and 7. There's tons of other prophecies that this almighty kingdom would come on earth. Well, even Jesus' disciples, when he's here, he's like, I'm the Messiah, the king, you know, bringing the kingdom. They kept saying, well, when are we going to whoop them? That you know, you just saw it at every oh, yeah. turn. When or let's let's take on Rome. Yeah. Let's because you have all this power. Because they know that he wasn't bound by the the laws of nature and atoms and molecules. Well, most people would think, well, that's a weapon. And so what they had missed is the same thing. I think people believing people miss now is that this spiritual thing, the spiritual kingdom that can't be. Pointed at, remember when Jesus said, you won't say here it is or there it is because the kingdom is within you. You know, spirit-filled people on the earth today represents the eternal kingdom of God and is the most indestructible, powerful force on the planet. Well, when you say that, that's why they portray you as crazy. Yep. They're like, do what now? <laughs> That's right. You look at a bunch of people. They, they treated Jesus worse. <laughs> yeah, they look. They walk into a church church building and look around. And say, you're you're the you're the most powerful organization on the planet, and that you're eternal and indestructible, and have the ability to change the hearts of people. Literally, just think, what else can do that? Which is why that's yep. our that's our main theme at understanding. I do want to say something as we kind of wrap the discussion up about the, the, this Afghanistan thing. I know there's a lot of vets that listen to our podcast, and a lot of you serve there, and so I don't I, in, I don't want to get to get lost in all this happening right now in Afghanistan. That Americans are very appreciative for the guys and gals that went to do the mission of what they had to do. Yeah. And that was cause you gotta, you gotta go back to nine 11 in your mindset. Cause I, you know, Jace, I got an event coming up in two weeks. I'm super pumped about it. I'm going to be in Delmont, Pennsylvania and it's on nine 12, but it's going to be to honor. It's called less roll America. And it's to honor. We're a few miles from that, where that plane, you know, just some normal Americans were on this plane and they were headed to the white house, to the Congress. That was the fourth plane. And they were going to fly it into there. But a bunch of Americans said, you know what? That ain't happening. We're all facing a die, but we're going to give our lives to make sure that they don't get one more victory. So I'm going there to speak at a, at a big event to be able to honor those folks that did that. And so that you got to remember back why you went. It's now it gets lost in the messaging of well, how bad it turned out to leave. But you got to remember the mindset going into it's the it. same analogy about Christian people doing this day in and day out, whether it's you know helping the homeless or you know having a session with a married couple that are trying to kill each other, you know, and you're trying to change their hearts and minds and not only save a family, but, you know, change their eternal destiny. The true heroes are those guys, no matter what you think about politics or what we're doing over there, well, these military people are just putting themselves in harm's way. That's right. Representing all of us for the, you know, good of both, both, both sides. I feel the same way about the coronavirus. The true heroes of the whole thing are these healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. You just think of what their life's been in the last two years. Yeah. I'm talking on the front lines, giving up their home time, their free time, putting themselves at risk. You know, I feel that's the same way as far as Christianity. It's these people that are out there working on a daily basis with people from the rehabbers to the whatever, but representing Jesus in a favorable light and giving people hope and peace and 
and patience, you know, through what God has given us. I mean, those are, are your true heroes. I think it's what you got to step by, step back and look at in any situation. And then rise it to the greater conversation, which is what we try to do here. Let's take a break. So uh, I heard an interesting, uh, one of my neighbors, Jay's down at the Southern Lair, he had an interesting observation. We were talking about hair loss the other day. And he said, you know, I'm not really losing my hair. I just look at it like I'm growing my forehead. Hmm. <laughs> that's things that make you go, hmm. That's, that's one way to get around it. <laughs> that's, that's, like, <laughs> that's like being so positive at nauseum. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I said, well, uh, yeah, I, I like your spirit, but you're still losing hair. So I, I told him a little bit about actually our sponsor, uh, Keeps. I said, well, you might want to check out Keeps if you are if you don't want to grow your forehead. Maybe that's a different way to put it. Maybe we've added some things for Keeps. It's kind of like wrecking your car and saying, but look at all this recyclable <laughs> stuff I have. That's right. So so Keeps is uh, has more five-star reviews from any of their competitors. Hundreds of thousands of guys have trusted them to keep their hair, which that's their whole idea. Uh, you go to their website. Uh, they're going to, you know, you're going to have a licensed doctor there, reviews all your info. It ships straight to your door, uh, and then you can track your progress. So you go to keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash door. You're going to get 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments. That's keeps dot com slash door. Yeah, I mean, my own son-in-law, I mean, he went over right after 9-11 and built the Help start building the Bagram, you know, air base. He was out there on the bulldozers and they're moving the dirt and getting ready because we're going to be coming. So he was at the very beginning of it, you know, and so there's a lot of guys like him and gals that, you know, yep. went into a tough situation. So we appreciate your service, all of you guys, and love you. I want you to know that Americans support you. Um, so I had a, a question. We had a couple of listener questions that we wanted to do today. And one of them was, was interesting. I'm not going to read the entire thing because it's pretty long, but he, he, the, the gist of his problem is, is this. He said, I'm very confused on how all future sins are not counted against a person. Because he, he talks about being a born-again believer, but he's struggling with the idea that how do you then live you know, and sin? And, and he, he made a couple of statements, Jay, that I thought, I'm not sure what he means here, but I think this is where he's running into problems. He said, if I were to slip and fall, I must go back and do my first works. And he says, ask for God's forgiveness of those sins and look, trying not to commit that sin. He says that a couple of times. I think that's where probably his thinking is a little bit off. So I thought we'd have a little bit of discussion about grace and how it works, especially for once a person becomes a son or daughter of God because we're not perfect. And yet something has changed in our status, right? And how we live going forward. But people really struggle with this and we get a lot of questions about it, which is why I bring it up because there's, they think somehow still it's back on them to somehow make this thing right. Yep. Which so, goes back to what I said, the Hollywood's depiction of Christian people. Most of these fringe, radical, dangerous groups they're not grace-based. Would you agree with that? Right. Correct. It's rule-oriented religion that leads to, when you have a rule-based theology, you get people making up rules that are not biblical whatsoever and bring out the worst in people instead of the best. Right. And so, I mean, I, I say that right off the bat. To answer the question... Because I, you know, I think this is a legitimate issue. Sure. In, in Christ, is you feel like you can do this, or somehow, you know, we just went through the whole book of Romans, which one of the main pillars of the book was you can't do this. You can't do it. This is God's righteousness. That's why we surrender. So, you know, I, I think I would start off saying, you know, Hebrews thirteen eight is an interesting verse because it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, that's a statement that we can't make. Any human, you know, Jesus became a human. So what does that mean? 
Well, so when you think about the nature of God, the characteristics of God, and what's different between God and us, right? He's all knowing. He's all powerful. He's omnipresent, which is he's not bound by space. He he's completely aware of us wherever we are, our thoughts. So in our minds, we think, well, if I messed up, I've ruined everything he did for me. And I'm, I'm back because I know about Jesus and now I've messed up. So I think based when you look at it from God's perspective, well, he, he knows what, what you did. He knows what you're doing and he knows what you will do. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's because I I believe his forgiveness, once we encounter that, then becomes that that fact that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he knows your heart. Well, he just combines it all at the same time. We're not able to do that. Right. So we say, yes, he forgave us for all our sins. He forgives us what we're doing now, and he forgives us of what we will do because the cross and the resurrection is for the entirety of your life. Right. So if you look at it from your perspective, you feel like you're falling out of grace all the time. But from his perspective, that's almost comical. We just, we just covered that. So, so write this down, whoever wrote it, whoever asked the question. Write this down. Uh, we, I find this law at work. When I want to do good... And, and he's saying he's trying. Evil is right there with me, but he makes mistakes. And he's saying, well, I got to go back. And, and I'm, I'm worried now because I'm not perfect. You're in Romans 7? Romans 7. We covered this here a few weeks back. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body. This is pre-Jesus and after Jesus, Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, of sin at work within my members. What he's missing is this. He spoke the truth when he said, what a wretched man I am. And that's what the guy that contacted us, it's what he's saying. I'm a wretched man because I'm not doing everything perfect. I'm not a perfect person. His position makes him perfect in Jesus, but he hasn't realized that yet. He's young in the faith. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Because he's still thinking he's attached to Adam, but he's now outside Adam and he's in Jesus. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. What he's saying is, He's missing is that he's under grace. He has constant 24-hour, seven days a week. He has constant cleansing. I wrote it down. He's in a constant state of cleansing. As he follows Jesus, he needs to turn over to 1 John chapter 1 and read that. Try your best to walk as Jesus did, and you'll be a lot better person than if you didn't make that decision. Try to walk as Jesus did. You say, can it be done? Yes, it can be done. No profanity came out of his mouth. You be the same way. A lot of these things, you can beat these things. Stuff like cursing, profanity, getting drunk, being immoral. You say, you can't live like that. John said, you're in a, you, your pattern is loving God and loving your neighbor and doing what is right. Check this out. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. That's, that's before you get in Jesus. Now you're under grace because you put your faith in Jesus. You obeyed the gospel. Sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. They've been taken away. And never forget this, your position. Look at your position. You're in Jesus. You were baptized into his death buried with him through baptism into death, in order that you may live a new life. In him, 1 John 3, verse 5, is no sin. 
your position. When God sees you, he sees the blood of his son, and he says, he's one of ours, Lord. He freely told us he's struggling. He's not realizing we're not counting them against him. He just needs to get up and move forward. Walk in the light. Walk as Jesus did. I'm Do your best. Trust God and try. That's all he demands, and you'll be all right. But I think it's because we put God on our level of understanding. Like he didn't know what we were thinking, or he doesn't know what we're thinking now, or he, he's fully aware. He's the of, God of comfort. But he's fully say, aware of what's going on in your heart. Right. So your heart, your spiritual heart, the decision-making process and your how you feel about things and why you did certain things and we we're we're looking at everything in our society it's whatever you can prove you can commit a crime and get away with actually but god if he has all these characteristics that the bible points to well he would know that you did it yeah so you're not it's not gonna he knows how you feel about him. And, and so once you embrace Jesus' death and resurrection, you're, he's moving in. Yeah. And, and to my point, which Phil brought Romans. Hang on, Jess. Let's take a break. we got a brand new uh, sponsor uh, called Start Mail, S-T-A-R-T Mail. And it's really interesting because uh, their whole basis is trying to privatize your emails because people, they think, you know, they say, oh, Gmail and Yahoo and all these emails, they're all free, but they're really not free because they're selling your information. That's what they mm-hmm. do. They say, you know, they get your, you get medical information, you sell it to doctors who are looking to email people stuff. So it's kind of the new currency that is privacy. It's interesting because I was on the phone talking to these guys and the, the main guy. What that, if you don't send any emails? Well, then then you're good. But I'm good. Then. Yeah, you're good. So you probably represent <laughs> about, a very about one small <laughs> percentage of the world that you don't have to pay some money if you want to say something. Well, uh, that you keep things private. You're pretty private down here. So start mail. It keeps your email private. Period. You can uh, they encrypt your emails, which is really good. When you delete an email and start mail, it's gone forever, and that doesn't happen on any of the other servers. The other thing is they have their own server. They're not having to use Amazon, which is really good. So they're a great company, uh, protect you from with cybersecurity and give you privacy, which is the main thing. So if you want to check these guys out, start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today. You get 50% off your first year. Really good deal. 50% off. Go to startmail.com slash unashamed. That's startmail with a T, startmail.com slash unashamed. 50% off your first year. Check these guys out. So you have this famous passage in Romans that we went through. There's all of sin, fall short of glory God. But here he actually, I don't think we talked about this when we went through Romans, but you know he says there's no difference. We all sin, and we're justified freely by his grace. And then he kind of says this about time here. He says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood, and he did this to demonstrate his justice. And then he brings up the past. He said, because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And my point is, why is he all of a sudden going back in time saying that cross, what he did on the cross was forgiveness for not only right now the sins committed, but all the ones before. Now, he didn't say, and all the ones in the future, but since Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the more you read this, you put two and two together, with other places, like I could go to Romans 8 as an example, but it says, you know, the creation is groaning at the present time. We're waiting to have, you know, our bodies be resurrected or whatever. But then he throws in this statement in Romans 8 that says, verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
Well, what does that mean? Well, we're weak. And because we're weak, we may have some future issues when it comes to sin. So my point is, when, when Paul said that in Romans 3, there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus' death went past, present, and future. Sure. That's what it did. That's what he did it for. Yep. It's called God's grace, and it, it, it is. It's not for something I did. It, it just is. It is for what I did, for it is what I do, and it is what, what I will do. So God knows our heart. I think if you looked at it from that perspective, you would then say, oh, so when I sin, what do we do as believers? And First John addresses that. He says, if you claim to be without sin, you make God to be out to be a liar. So when this guy wrote this letter, you can't say that you don't sin because then you're saying God's a liar. Well, that's yep. horrible. So then you're like, well, so when I do sin, what do I do? Well, there's nothing you can do. You do the same thing you did when you first came to Jesus. You say, just Lord, give, ha, just ha, give them to him. Have mercy. So you confess your sins. Not that. So he's going to forgive you. He already forgave you. That's it's right. a past, present, it's, and future. It's hard to understand the status. So he quotes two things in his letter, and I want to deal with both of them because I think this is where a lot of people go off the rails. The first one he quotes is from Hebrews 11, 26. And he says his version is a little different than ours, but he says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. He applies this text into the, the, the thought process by especially the word willful is his word, but deliberate in the NIV as if somehow there's a different way to sin. Mm -hmm. Something is deliberate or willful versus I guess accidental. I don't know, but I've seen Have this. You ever, but it isn't any sin deliberate. They all are. That's my point. And here's the, here's the biggest point you, that's missed by taking this verse out of context. Who was the Hebrew writer writing to? And what was the context in which he was writing? These are, these are people who were here about Jesus. Yeah, it sounds pretty good, but I'm going to go and stick with law because that's what I've always known. This entire book is that law won't work. Jesus is what works. So when he's talking about this deliberate sin, if you want to put it in quotation, he's talking about going back under law, which is ironic because the our, our listener that sent it in is exactly what he's talking about doing. When he when you say I have to go back to my first works, yep. you're putting it back back on the law of works because works wouldn't have gotten you there anyway. Right. So that's what this context is in Hebrews ten. Most people miss it. In fact. They even make it worse. Most people in our fellowship, because right before that says, let us not give up meeting together. So they'll say, if you don't attend every time the doors open on someplace, oh, it's you're sin. deliberately sinning and there's no sacrifice for your sin. I've heard that used as well. And you're taking some situation in your what you're looking at and applying something that's not what the Holy Spirit meant, talking to these Hebrew Christians that had come out of law. You're trying to put them back under law. Is your walk known? Is your walk, the way you live your life, is it known to all your neighbors, your kinfolks, the people you meet on the street, the people you speak to, maybe you're a whatever, you're an insurance man? Are you known to be walking in the light or walking in darkness? Uh, God is light. In him, there's no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with God, yet walk in darkness, if everything you do, every time you turn up, you're known for a person who walks in the darkness. We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, you're under grace, you're in Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, it's it's eating at this particular brother because he makes mistakes. Well, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sins and he'll he, he, and righteousness will be yours. In other words, just be honest with him and say, God, look, Lord, 
I don't know why I did that. Forgive me. You're all right. Get up. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. We all make mistakes. But your walk is known to everyone what kind of person you are. Pretty well how you live, Al, is known by everyone. You're right. Let's take another break. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson-Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. And to your point, Dad, that's why it's to the Romans 6 point when Paul says, well, man, I know what some of you are going to say. This sounds so good that we're just going to start sinning like crazy. Because, I mean, to. if we got grace, we just go willful, deliberate sin, Why go crazy. Not? Then he says, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't, you die to that. You're living in Christ, which to me, the best passage that refutes this whole concept, Paul says in Ephesians chapter two. But he says, all of us lived among the, these pagans at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. In other words, the way we lived was obviously wrong. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. There's the new birth. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God, listen to this, past tense, raised us up with Christ. There's the new birth. Seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. Yep. So, so, jo- I so mean, John makes the point in his letter, try your best not to sin. He said, but if you do, it's not counted against you. He said, I write this to you. So that you will not sin. Right. I called you back in Romans 6 again. But if anybody does sin, which this guy does, this guy sitting here, sitting here talking to you, he does too. So do all of us. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, which is the key thing. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but for also the sins of the whole world. So he's saying this can be done. But you're going to make mistakes as you go forward. Try not to. But when you do, you give them to Jesus and you get up and you move again. Well, That's the way it works. To feed off of what Al said in Hebrews, which I think is, it was a great point, because that's where all the, I think that's where all the confusion and the chaos is that's happening. Right. You read a verse like that, and there's people right now probably saying, huh, they're saying if you deliberately keep on sinning, somehow they're... <laughs> But you're right. It was because they were trying to obtain forgiveness through their performance of the law. Exactly. But when you do that, you've now said, in one of my favorite passages, Galatians 2.20, you're now saying that Christ died for nothing. Because it says if righteousness could be obtained by observing the law, Christ died for nothing. That's right. So a very... Hard, controversial. Uh, we've argued about this passage for years. I'm not going to get into what our argument was over. We can do that another time. But in Hebrews 6, mm-hmm. I did a class one time called Grace or Disgrace. You might already make, pretty good. You may get you a sermon here. I now. like that. <laughs> so I'm going to read this. This is a very difficult passage to wrap your head around, but... If we just go after one principle, grace or disgrace, I think we'll see the point because you've already laid the the reason I want to do this is because you laid that foundation where are we going to put our faith and trust in the law, our performance, which was God's idea to give them the law to show them what? You can't can't do do it. it. To point them to Jesus. Are we going to believe that Jesus 
is greater because of his grace. So he says this in verse 4 of chapter 6 of Hebrews, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to, and here's the where I got the disgrace, subjecting him to public disgrace. Now, a lot of people say, what in the world? Is that saying you can't fall away? You can't? We can talk about that later. But let's just go into what I know the, the fact is of what he is portraying, is that if you try to obtain salvation without Jesus, that's not going to work based on what I read here. If you subject the Son of God to public disgrace, whatever you do or whatever you believe, if that's your, your mode of operation, that would be the worst possible move you can make. That's it. So now what? I, here's what I think. Verse 7 and 8, I think, explains the point is. So he has this illustration. He says, land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. So I want to stop here. So now he gives an illustration on what he's talking about. You say, well, what's he talking about? Well, he has a field where that's being worked, that rain is falling on it, and it's producing a crop. Well, that's God's field. God is, you think about what he does for our life. He, he's plowing it up. He's planting it. He's sending the rain. And guess what? Crops are happening. But he's doing all the work. We're just sitting there coming out of the ground. You know, he's doing the work by his grace. And he's produced something that was dead. So imagine all the illustrations. You have a dead kernel of corn. He puts it in the ground. He gives us everything we need in Jesus to start over. And literally, a dead plant comes to life. That You see that all over. Well, the second verse of the illustration, verse 8, land that produces thorns, thistles, is worthless and in danger of being cursed, and the end will be burned. Well, if you alienate God's grace and his work in your life, what do you have left in with you doing it on your own? Trust God. Weeds. Weeds, thorns, and thistles. Yeah. Guess what? You're not going to produce the fruit. You want to be a, you know, a, everybody loves corn. You want to be a big ear of corn. It ain't going to happen. You know why? Because there's no Jesus. There's no grace. It's not going to happen. So people come to this passage and they argue about, you know, whether a person falls away because they're not looking at it from God's perspective. He's saying, no Jesus That's and it. only law. Guess what? Thorns and thistles. Yeah. You ain't coming. No, your point is perfect. Uh, let's take our last break. Because you're right. It's not the point of we're all in Christ and now it's about us. You're either in Christ or you're not. That's it. It comes back to that thing. Because here's your here's the flyover point. You the, What you read in Hebrews 6, which I agree with, you go to 7, 8, 9, and 10, and the Hebrew writer lays out all those old elements, the sacrifice, the temple, the and it, high and it priest. took away no sin. That's right. He, he and he lay, he's making the case. So then he gets to chapter ten and the verse I read earlier. Look what's before that. After all that explanation of Jesus is the way, none of the other stuff will work. Therefore, since all that's true, brothers. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, him, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Listen to this, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. So the whole deal is in Jesus, you don't have to worry. The, the, this, our listener that sent in is worrying about something he doesn't need to worry about. That's correct. Because in Christ, we have been cleansed. The, even the conscience is cleansed. Yep. This so, is one of the few things in life, and I mean being a follower of Jesus. A state 
of cleanliness. Yes. I wrote. This, this is one of the few things in life where what you do doesn't matter as much as why you do it. That's a good point. I mean, if you figure out this is grace motivated, if you focus on that, whatever you do, which, I mean, that's a quote, yeah. <laughs> caution three. I think that was his point. Doesn't matter whatever you do, you do it as working for the Lord, not for men. Well, he's including you in that category of men. You're in that category. You're not working to somehow figure out how you're going to be righteous. Right. That ain't going to work. Nope. So, and I love the the way he wrapped up that Ephesians two passage. He says that we are created to do, you know, we're God's workmanship created to do good works, which He prepared in advance. So the idea is is that anything good that comes from us, it's because we're in Christ, and anything bad that we do, and sometimes we do, it's in Christ. He takes it either way. He gets the glory for the good, and he takes the bad and says, "I'll cleanse it and wash it, and you don't have to worry about." It. I mean, what a what a way to live. I mean, that that's that's how we should be. That gives us confidence. Once mm-hmm. you were alienated, Colossians 1, 21, from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you. Here's what our man who's sitting in needs to understand. To present you holy in his sight, that's what because of what Jesus did. Without blemish, that's because of what Jesus did. And free from accusation, that's what Jesus provided for you. If, there is an if, you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, and that's the gospel you heard. So we're back to Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection again because of that. You're free from accusation, solid as a rock, perfectly holy and you'll stay that way just trust god and try get up let's go and you know it's interesting because one more thing that uh, this guy said he said jesus also said if we love him we must keep his commandments which jesus did say that but it's interesting because what did he also say what all the commandments that are out there i'm gonna boil them down to two things love god love love god and love your neighbor yep because you know what that's doable Yep. I mean, I what can these, handle that. What these people don't realize is that there's no rule system that's going to, it's not going to work anyway. Correct. I, I know this from Colossians 3 where he says, since you died, I think it's verse 20, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it do you submit to its rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch this. Yep. These are all destined to perish because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, false humility, harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Now, every time I've had a discussion with somebody about this, but they're like, yeah, but those are human commands and human teachings. I'm like, that's what we do with everything. You can't find five church uh, meeting people to agree on what are the rules. If we went with the rule system, you're not going to get five that agree with what the rules are. Because everybody, like you said, some people think it's a sin. A sin. If you do not show up on Sunday morning with a group of not people. Not just a sin, a willful, oh. deliberate sin that therefore you have no sacrifice for sin. I mean, that's you're where out. you get to. That's it. You're out. You're out. You made I mean, a mistake. You're out. God and I and other people are meeting at my house today. They're like, sinful, you're not at the, you know. I mean, there's people, we laugh, but there's people believe that. That's right. You're in the habit of not meeting. So my point is, what if you met, you went up there and you cussed under your breath the whole time and then cussed the preacher out on the way out? So you didn't sin by meeting because you were there even though you cussed everybody out and threw a fit. They'll say, well, but you had another sin. Well, that's, that's my point. <laughs> what, what road are we going down? <laughs> so I got to come. But if I just hadn't come because I didn't have anything else to say, well, that would have been sin. So I'm yeah. deemed. So now you've got me a situation where I just can't win. 
<laughs> you know, Joe, <laughs> Joe Beam tells a story uh, in his book, Getting Past Guilt, that I think is a great way to wrap this thought up. He, he tells about he was a young preacher, and this guy comes in, and he was a deacon in their church, and he said, I, I just got in, but Joe's young. You know, he says, this guy was just like, he looked up to him so much, and he said, I, I'm having a problem, preacher. He said, well, what is it? He said, I committed a willful, deliberate sin 18 years ago, and I, I, I think I'm going to burn in hell. Of course, Joe is thinking, oh, man, he's had an affair. He's thinking all these bad things. And he said, what, what was it? He said, well, I was stationed in Germany, and I never met with anybody. You know, I had an opportunity, but I just didn't do it. I didn't meet with a group of things. And then he quoted this verse. And so Joe said, you know, the Holy Spirit gave him this wisdom. He said, you know, your son, Jeff, how old is he now? He said, well, he's, he's about eight. He said, if Joe, you had told your son to go, Jeff, to go and to feed your dogs, and you came home that afternoon, he didn't do it, what would you do? He said, well, I'd go over there and chew him out. I'd say, I thought I told you to feed them dogs. He said, and what, what, what? And if he said, Dad, I'm so sorry, what would you tell him? He said, it's okay, just do what I told you to do. It's okay. He said, what if you came back the next day, he's still out there moping over it? And he said, well, I'd tell him, that's over. Quit worrying about that. He said, what would you do if when he was graduating high school, 10 years later, he just was all sad and you said, what's the problem, son? He said, I should have fed those dogs. I, I mean, yeah. he said, what happens when he's 25 years old? It's 18 years after he's, you got a grandson. You're so excited. And he says, dad, I just can't get over not feeding them dogs. He said, by this time, the guy's looking at him. He gets, he said, what would you think about that? He'd say, I think he didn't believe his daddy, <laughs> which I thought was yeah. a brilliant point because it really comes back to, it's a faith issue Yeah, when we can't believe it's just too good to be true. Cause we're, we're just too bad. Well, you know? we keep thinking you got to get yourself cleaned up before you can go out exactly. there and show God off. And the fact is he uses us despite our flaws. He forgives us. We're honest about it. We confess our sins and it's the old he, legalistic approach. It. Uh, Jim McGregor had it right. Uh, <laughs> You know, legalism is a killer. It's a killer. <laughs> With that Irish brogue. It's a killer. And he's right. He's right. But isn't it amazing because people still want to go back and put themselves under law. So, uh, by the way, thank you for the question. Uh, we weren't trying to beat you up over it. We just wanted to understand. A lot of people struggle. I was. I was just throwing haymakers. <laughs> well, Jason, you know, he likes to beat people up. No, I'm kidding. No, we, we love you're it. You're all right. You're all right, my man. Whoever sent that in. Embrace the grace, man. Embrace it, the it's grace. It's so much better to live I mean, under I, people grace. that have come out of that thinking they're going to do it and they accept grace and take a deep breath, it's one of the greatest deep breaths you'll ever take. Oh, it's fantastic. Of saying, you know what? I'm bad, and God loves me anyway, and he wants to use me, and he's going to forgive me. Yesterday, today, and forever. I love it. Great question. Great, great podcast. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube, and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.